0: today's episode of the digging in podcast we finish up the book of luke everybody in the digging in family welcome back to another episode of the digging in podcast lessons from series man am i glad to have you guys back for another morning Well, I guess I don't really actually know if it's the morning for you. I have no idea when you listen to this. You know, I just do all of my devotions in the morning. I find that when I uh, actually start my day off with focusing on God that I usually tend to at least run to God more frequently throughout the day. That's just me. Uh, Maybe you agree, maybe you don't. But hey, welcome back. Regardless, nonetheless, you are here and we are moving through the book of Luke. Today we finish up our last section. The last section are the last eight chapters, which is going to be 17 through 24. Hope you guys are ready because this is going to be an awesome ride. I'm really excited to finish this book up and see how it finishes similarly, but also a little bit different than the other two books we've read so far. So uh, just, you know, once again, in order for us to actually get started, you know, there's a few things that we need to do. Um, Primarily some things that we need to grab, which are our Bible, our pen, and our paper. And let's dig in. Father God, thank you for today honestly god just like thank you for today it's the fact that we get to wake up and uh breathe that you you gave us breath in our lungs it's your breath that brought to life the dust of the earth from genesis 2 7 um and and god and in that in that moment um it's your breath in our lungs not our own and so when we come to know you and we come to find that out it makes us a lot more humble so thank you for the fact that this is uh, your breath in our lungs, that this is uh, not our life to live all on our own, but yours to live uh, by building us up in a new creation. So thank you for that, God. And thank you for today. Uh, we ask you to open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts so that we could see, hear, and know you more through this little devotional. God, thank you for the book of Luke, the way that it has guided us and provided us with some really cool, interesting details. We love you so much, Lord. Be with us today in your name. Amen. Right on, guys. The book of Luke is almost done. We are doing three episodes in each of the four Synoptic Gospels. This is our last episode in the book of Luke. Uh, one different thing is that, you know, for the rest of this whole entire uh, Lessons From series, what we've been doing is we've been learning from the different characters of the Bible. And now we're learning from Jesus for 12, uh, actually for 14 straight episodes. We're learning from Jesus, more or less. And, and that's a new kind of theory, a new thought, uh, because some of it is... We're learning what the Bible says about Jesus. And you're like, well, I'm not really learning from him, am I? Like, no, it's the exact same thing. You are. You totally are. It's the exact same thing as these other episodes, right? Reading these stories, seeing what God is actually doing in their lives. And so while we're learning from them, what we're doing is really just learning more about God and who God is in the lives of humanity. And it's, it should be a, a humbling story as you see yourself in little bits and pieces. You start might see parts of yourself in these different characters and find the brokenness and find the sin, but you also find the glory of the Lord being fully revealed uh, in so many of these guys. And so that's really cool to see and honestly, uh, I, I've, I've enjoyed every second of it. And so we're doing something obviously a little bit different because we're not really focusing on other characters right now, even though there's other characters involved in these stories. Right now, what we're really focusing on is the stories of Jesus, the the elements of who Jesus is, um, and specifically within that, the kind of the the parts of what Jesus' ministry actually was and what that was teaching us and what he was trying to accomplish through that. Uh, Matthew and Mark have their own uh, you know, special things, and here we are in the book of Luke and looking at Dr. Luke's detail-oriented, specific documentary of Jesus' entire life, right? The only one that gives us from life in early childhood even all the way into early ministry, late ministry, his death. And then today, as you're going to find out, um, Um, a very specific account of his death, and also a very specific account of the resurrected body ascending to heaven. It's a really cool story. So uh, without further ado, that means that your reading today are the final chapters, is the final chapters of the book of Luke. So go ahead and read chapters 17 through 24, and then join us back for our discussion. All right, guys. Welcome back. I hope that was some good reading for you. Uh, you started off right there with, uh, honestly, you, you actually started off with some similar patterns that you've read before from the other synoptic gospels, Matthew and Mark. If you remember, uh, sometimes, not always, but sometimes it's exactly the same. That some of these gospels will give us the same storyline. Maybe mix a couple events up here and there. This one happens before this one, but for the most part, all the events are happening, and we know that to be true. And what we're gonna read right here or what you just read is that in 17 and even in 18, you actually have some of the exact same stories happening at the exact same time as the other books. And so that lines up the seriousness. Uh, Again, uh, you know, four books that in and of themselves are different uh, actually highlights how historically accurate they actually are. Most historians hold the belief that if we are reading four different accounts that are the exact same, that essentially there would have been copying going on, that someone would have just copied down, so this is a different account, but really it's the same. And so when things are uh, different altogether, but still similar in stories and in parts, that actually holds to a more accurate historical view. And so what we're seeing is, we're seeing this overly accurate historical view of the life and ministry and work of Jesus. And then what we see is a a moment in time when the seriousness, of Jesus' story all begins to match up, where a few generations apart, they're not copying because there's still different elements of the story, as we're going to find today, but for the most part, the elements that Jesus died on the cross is remaining to be totally true today. And so that's what's really cool uh, about these stories. So in 17 and in 18, you are having the opportunity to actually read some of those exact same stories that you've read before. 19, there's a there's a, there's a couple new moments in 19 that begin to uh, that that begin to highlight that I need that I should highlight specifically this really interesting section in 1941 through 44. So four verses of this moment where Jesus is weeping. So what, we, what we've heard before, what we're gonna hear soon is like, well, Jesus wept, he has real human emotions. That's absolutely true. Hands down, no doubt about it. He is fully God and fully man. and So he does have human emotions. So the, the weeping that we normally refer to is the weeping over Lazarus, Lazarus one, right? We, we talked about Lazarus two in the last episode, but Lazarus one dies and Jesus raises him from the dead. But before he does that, he weeps over the loss of his beloved brother. And that's a, a tough moment to read about. We, we all know that. We've all heard that. But what we hear in, in 1941 through 44 is another moment where Jesus weeps. Um, and it says that when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. This is Jerusalem. He wept over the city, saying, saying would that you, even you, he's weeping over Jerusalem because what was going to have, what's going to happen after he dies uh, 30, 40 years after he dies is what he's talking about here, which is that Jerusalem will be destroyed. The temple in Jerusalem will be destroyed again in AD 70. And he's predicting that moment and he's weeping for that moment. He's like, you guys don't even know what's about to happen, but it's going to happen. And this really, If you guys remember the story of Jeremiah, the prophet, the weeping prophet, then you remember how he would weep over Jerusalem. He wept over his whole nation of Israel and wept over Jerusalem. And so this is showing us that Jesus, like Jeremiah, weeps for the direction and the path that even his own people are on. So a really cool way that he relates to us. Um, We've talked about how he relates to us in... um, in the book of Hebrews, it talks about it, um, that he's the great high priest, that he has uh, endured the same exact things. Romans talks about it, um, specifically the temptations of Satan, that he's been tempted in every same way that we have even today. So he can empathize with us. So he has those real and genuine emotions. Uh, then we turn and we get into chapter 20. And then from 20 through 22, we actually have almost virtually the exact same stories as Matthew and Mark. Again, some some of the things are mixed up here and there. Um, There's a couple extra little bits and pieces and details that that Luke has um, that kind of just adds to some of this. But then we get to uh, chapter 23. And in chapter 23, um, Matthew and Mark don't really have what we're about to read. Uh, They have bits and pieces of it. Right. If you remember reading the story of Jesus being led to the crucifixion, to the cross, um, we've got uh, Jesus, you know, coming before the council of people and they take him to Pilate. And then Pilate says, I don't really know what to do with him, But if you guys want me to kill him, there's got to be some sort of general thing and yada, yada. And then all of a sudden he's dead. And so in Luke, what we read about is an extra meeting where he went and met Herod in 23, 6 through 17. Uh, And then we get the stuff with Pilate. But then what we get in verses 26 through 43 is the crucifixion itself. This is the story of the crucifixion. This is where we get the story of those other two people who were on the crosses next to him. There are three crosses on that day and that on his other sides were different people being crucified. And what's interesting to me is that this is only in the story of Luke, that Matthew, Mark, and John do not include this moment. And I have been racking my brain to try to figure out why. Maybe it's because Matthew and Mark and John just wanted to focus on Jesus and his death and not these other two guys because that would steal sort of the spotlight from Jesus and how immense and intense this moment is. I don't know, you know, because I wouldn't be totally inaccurate to say that there weren't two other people there just to leave that information out. I don't think is wrong because you want to focus on Jesus, but Luke does not Leave these details out, and he tells us that there were two others who were criminals. This is uh, verse 32, 23, 32. There were two others; they were criminals who were led to be put to death with him. When they came to the place, that is the the skull or Golgotha, where they crucified him, and the criminals, one on his right, one on his left. Jesus said, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." They cast lot to divide the garments. People stood by watching others. Let him save himself if he's the Christ. All that, right? And then we, we get this, this one really intimate moment here. Verse 39. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other one rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly. For we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus looked at him and said, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Only here in Luke. It's the only time we hear the story. This story gets uh, talked up a lot. You'd think it would be in more places, but it's only in the book of Luke. And I find it fascinating because I think that in one way I could see how it might steal the spotlight from Jesus and how intense his moment is. But at the same time, it just makes Jesus even greater to me. That even in his final moments, his final breaths on earth, he's willing to hear the words of someone in their last moments two very different people and say, you know what, man, (laughs) you're coming with me, even in his last moments, willing to save. And then we get, uh, the, the rest of the story, um, of his death and that he is buried and then the resurrection. I haven't even talked about the resurrection yet. Uh, we'll get there with John. I'll get there in the book of John. I wanna hit on the res- resurrection there. Um, but what I, another one I wanna to get to is this, this second wild moment that we only see in Luke 24, 13 through 35 if you guys haven't read chapter 24 of the book of luke i highly recommend it it's an epic chapter so much detail uh and, and of the like what's, what is it one two three four stories told um three of them are different from everywhere else <laughs> Um, and, and, so it would be in the resurrection has different parts of it as well. So really there's of all the, all four stories in chapter 24, actually a little bit different from the other books. And so it would be worth reading chapter 24. It's a really epic chapter, but in, uh, verses 13 through 35, we get this section called the road to Emmaus. And on the road to Emmaus, the same day that Jesus was crucified um, and died on the cross, uh, there's these couple disciples, and they are walking away from Jerusalem, and they're they're just leaving the place. And while they were talking and discussing together, verse 15, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding? (laughs) What are you guys talking about, man? And they're like, they go on to say, man, are you living under a rock? Like, what? how do you not know that Jesus, the Christ, was crucified? And when they did not find his body, verse 23, when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him, they did not. So this is what's wild, right? Is that they're expressing the same story of after the resurrection when Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, all these other people showed up to the um, to go see Jesus' body and they couldn't find it. And then those people went and they told everyone, right? Well, they're, they're recounting that story. And then what does he say? What is Jesus' response? Verse 25. And he said to them, oh, foolish ones. Oh, foolish ones amazing and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken was it not necessary that the christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory and beginning with moses and all the prophets he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself so this passage is super important luke 24:27 is one that you should remember forever this this verse uh because What's happening here is that Jesus keeps them from seeing who he is and ultimately seeing the truth. And then in this moment, he starts with the with Moses, which is the law, the books, the five first books of the Bible, right? The law. And then he moves into the prophets, which is the other the second third of the old testament and he teaches them everything there and then it says and of all scriptures he taught them which means their writings which is the last section of the three part hebrew bible the law the writings and the prophets and so he basically just illuminates to them he he opens their eyes to see every facet of who he is as the snake crushing Messiah King, who was also the suffering servant from Isaiah. So he's bringing together, Luke is bringing together the two major theme points from both Matthew and Mark. And he's revealing it to these two disciples, that Jesus revealed it to these two guys and said, don't you know, you are slow, to, slow in your heart to believe what the Bible says about me. And he's like, wasn't it certain that I would suffer? Didn't I have to suffer in order to enter into full glory? And the answer obviously is yes. And he goes on to reveal that to them. And they go back and they have a supper. They have a, they have a dinner with him. Uh, they break bread and it's awesome. And then he appears to the rest of the disciples in the next section. And then we get our final section, 50 through 53. 24, 50 through 53. I'm going to read this to you. So this is this is the moment where he actually... So he in a few verses before this, in verse 45, he actually opens the minds of all the disciples to understand the scriptures. And um, this goes back to my point the other day, sorry, yesterday, when I was talking about the seriousness of scripture. It was so important that when Jesus returned back after his resurrection, he opened the mind of two separate groups of disciples to the scriptures saying, look how everything has always pointed to me and look how everything will always point to me. And it's amazing because again, they don't have the new Testament yet, right? This is, these are the stories as we have them. They have the Hebrew Bible and they've been following this rabbi teacher guy, Jesus, who turned out to be the snake crushing suffering servant, Messiah King. (laughs) They don't have the new Testament yet. They don't have this. And so they're, they're being blown away by the fact that he, this is the fulfillment of everything. And he opens up their minds to understand all the scriptures. So they're in a good place, right? They're, they're, they're feeling pretty good about their relationship with him right now. And then we move into verse 50 it says, and he led them out as far as Bethany. So it took them out of the town and lifting up his hands. He blessed all of them while he blessed them. He parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him, and then they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple blessing God. So he opened up their minds to the scriptures, these unlearned fishermen for the most part, right? Fishermen, these dudes who were just regular old human beings. I didn't really talk about them all that much. I meant to in in, in Mark because it really hits home but he's choosing the most regular, normal, run-of-the-mill people. Outside of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were most likely a little bit wealthy, he picked the most average human beings to be part of his ministry. Jesus purposefully picked these men. Now, in, in the long game, what was in mind for these people was that one day they would start the church once he was gone. He knew that, but he didn't start with that. He didn't lead with one day, you guys are gonna start my church. What he did was he said, follow me, be with me, spend time with me. And they learned by example, for the most part. They watched as he opened the minds of Pharisees and scribes to the scripture piece by piece. And yet they were still just as confused as everyone else, even though they were close by him at all times. And then in this moment, he opens up their unlearned brains to actually completely know the scriptures and to see how all of it points to him. Again, one of our major points of uh, scripture reading is that the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Bible in its whole, points to Christ. And he opens that up to them saying, look how it all points to me. And they understood it, and it caused them great joy and celebration. They walked with him in the final moments after his resurrection, and they were there. And then they were there with him when he blessed them with his hands held high. He blesses them and then is carried off into heaven. Now, I can't even begin to imagine the sweet vehicle that must have pulled up to carry him off into heaven, whether it was a flaming chariot, uh, a 1959 Chevy Bel Air, or some sort of uh, other awesome, maybe like a Bugatti. I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff out there now. It's ridiculous. Something happened and he got carried off into heaven and his disciples watched it happen. They watched as Jesus Christ, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the snake crushing Messiah King that they've been waiting for since Genesis 3. This is like so many, like so many generations, thousands and thousands of years waiting for this Messiah. And they just spent so much time with him, watched him die, come back to life And then watched him ascend into heaven. I mean, how beautiful is that moment? Because what did it do? It caused them to have great joy. And as they returned back to Jerusalem, they were in the temple constantly worshiping and blessing God. When we turn over to the book of Acts here in a few days after the book of John, what we're going to see is that same mentality, that same blessing that's been given to them by Jesus. And we're going to watch as that blessing explodes in their lives because now they know all of the scriptures and they know all how all the scriptures point to Jesus. So they were once unlearned men who would never spend time in the temple because of their regular jobs. They would do the celebrations and do the Jewish stuff. But for the most part, they were unlearned and not trained. And now because they know the scriptures, they're about to blow up the world. A bunch of regular dudes who Jesus came and transformed their life, made them a brand new creation. And now all they can do is feel that love that was given for, to them and for them by God through his son and his death on the cross. And now the gift of the Holy Spirit will soon come to them. And when it does, that overflow of love causes them to love God even more and then love others because of it. And then they start the church. Guys, this is beautiful. That momentum, that beautiful momentum of being changed by Jesus and learning about Jesus and then being changed by him constantly every single day encourages even us today to learn more, to love him, and to change the world based on his promises. Guys, how amazing is this message? The story of the documentarian Luke, uh, the story of Jesus by the documentarian Luke, the one that he puts together, is so detail-oriented that he gives us the specific nature of Jesus' every movement. Literally from his before he's born all the way to after he has died and resurrected and he's on his way to heaven. The full story. It's just Beautiful. It's so cool. And the thing that I think we all need to understand is that Jesus transformed regular human beings into the people who would one day lead his revolution on earth. The same revolution that you who are listening are now at some level a part of. All because Jesus transformed their lives. Just like he's transformed yours. So the minute you start looking down on yourself and the minute you start thinking, there's surely there's no way God really wants to use me. I mean, I don't work for a church. Uh, I'm an accountant or, you know, I, I do. I'm I'm only thinking of financial stuff. I don't know why (laughs) I'm an oil and gas guy. Like I, I only do these things. The minute you say that is the minute you are turning off the possibility that Jesus could be calling you to transform the world based on who he is within you. Guys, the fact of the matter is he picked regular people, completely regular men and women to bring about an amazing, life-changing, world-changing happening, and that was the Christian faith in the start of the church. And Luke gives us the most beautiful depiction of his entire life, and I'm so thankful for this book, and I hope this book has taught you so much more about him. And I hope that you're learning so much more about what it means to be in his family. And so my final parting note is this. If you're prepared, if you're ready to be transformed by Jesus, which means that you may be living a totally different life. If you're ready to be transformed by Jesus, then simply pray. Let him know that you're ready for the most amazing roller coaster that you've ever experienced. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Digging In Podcast Lessons from series. Join us in our next episode as we open up to the final synoptic gospel with the book of John.